Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 5.2 through 6.3 called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. These are times when we have a disagreement with our spouse and we say, I don't even know where that came from or I don't know why they said that or I don't know what's going on. And the question is, will you love them anyway? Will you, will you try to find out what's going on? Will you pray for them? Will you be patient? Is she being disciplined? Is this a picture of discipline because she didn't respond to him? I'll leave that to you. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7, Live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel, the feminine one. She's a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. You cannot change your spouse. That's God's job. If you are on the verge, if you're in a courting relationship, you have gotten the best of that person as you date in court. Do you, do you all know that? They brush their teeth. They put cologne on. After you get married, it's over. <laughs> that may not happen. <laughs> Here's my point. If you think, oh, they'll change after we get married, you're in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. You're getting their best right now. We have to change in the way that we love. And so here we have the biblical formula. We trust the Lord to change our spouse. We don't manipulate. We don't manufacture. And some of us have been waiting for a long time. And it can be hard. So there she is out in the streets and she runs into the daughters of Jerusalem. These have been kind of in the musical theater, the, the women, the bridesmaids and so forth. And she says, I adjure you, verse 8, if you find my beloved as to what you will tell him, tell him I am lovesick. I'm faint with love, NIV. I think she's saying, tell him I'm sorry. If you find him out in the streets and you run into him, tell my beloved, I'm sorry. You know, the essence of repentance in the church is to tell our beloved Lord, I'm sorry. Do you know that that can go such a long way? The moment you decide to say, I'm sorry, pretty much ends marital conflict but we're prideful. And so she says, look, if you find him, tell him I love him. Tell him I'm sorry. And they say, well, what kind of beloved is your beloved nine? Oh, most beautiful among women. What kind of beloved is your beloved that thus you adjure us? Why are you so emotional and distraught? What is so great about this man? 
Other people may look at you and your life and your priorities and they don't understand you. What, what's so great about this Christian thing? You go to Bible studies on a Friday night? Have you lost your mind? And if you get really serious about the Lord, other believers won't understand you. They'll say, aren't you taking this Christian thing a little too far, man? Church on Sunday, right? Well, they say, describe him to us. What's so great about him that even in this trial you pursue him? She begins to describe him. His shining beauty will rush before us. One writer, and I'll leave it to you to decide if this is accurate, describes her description of him as one of the clearest, most glorious descriptions of Jesus Christ found in the Bible. The awakened bride pursuing her beloved gives us a poetic listing of virtues that many see as the virtues of Jesus. Let me just say this to you. I said to a group here recently, there's no physical description of Jesus in the entire Bible. And a couple of great Bible students said, wait a minute, Revelation 1 talks about his feet and his eyes. And let me just say that that's symbolic language. Jesus doesn't have eyes that are like blast furnaces, okay? It's, it's symbolic language. It's not necessarily a physical description of Jesus. What we're dealing with in Song of Solomon chapter 5 is very much like Revelation 1. It's poetic and symbolic, pointing to his greater uh, character and his attributes, if you will. And so you can think of Jesus in Revelation 1 as the glorified risen Christ, the high priest. You can think of Daniel 7, 9. You can think of Matthew 17, where he's the glorified Christ on the mountain. And she says, if you want to know, my beloved is dazzling and ruddy. Ruddy means reddish, reddish brown. It was a description of David when he was about to be anointed as king of Israel. He's outstanding among 10,000. That could speak of infinity. There's nobody like him. She starts off, he's dazzling, he's ruddy. Daniel Estes comments, he says, in marriage, it is easy to lose sight of how special one's spouse is. The inexorable duties of life can dilute the delight of intimacy so that what used to provoke excitement now evokes only a yawn. Indifference is a lethal blow to intimacy because it communicates that the relationship is not valued as it should be. Maybe she's coming to the realization that she didn't value him, so she says, no, his head is like gold, pure gold. His locks are like clusters of dates and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves, could be innocent, could be the fluttering of the wings of doves, perhaps a dove's wings, besides streams of water bathed in milk, reposed in their setting. His cheeks, uh, the Hebrew root is, are soft. They're like a bed of balsam. Uh, men in those days had beards, so she might be speaking of his beard. Sweet-scented banks of sweet-scented herbs. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. His words pierce and they heal. He knows how to speak a word in due season to encourage me. His hands, 
Those hands that were pierced for our sins are rods of gold set with beryl. It speaks of royal power. His abdomen is carved ivory. It speaks of smoothness, but that he understands us in the deepest part of who he is. He sympathizes and empathizes with our weaknesses. Amen? It's ivory inlaid with sapphires. He's a jewel, is this lovely one. In the high priest's uh, breastplate, there was a sapphire, and on it was the name Simeon scratched in. Simeon means he who hears. The Lord hears us, empathizes with us. It points to his inward, uh, his innards, or even points to the bowels that he understands, sympathizes, and then he hears us. He is a jewel of a high priest. His legs are pillars of alabaster set on pedestals of pure gold. These are uh, things that make connections to the temple. He's solid. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars, strong, beautiful, solid. He is the rock of ages. The cedars of Lebanon were used in the construction of the temple. His mouth is full of sweetness. He is wholly desirable. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. You know, when you are asked about the one that you love, I wonder if you have a description at the ready. I wonder if I have anything that comes close to this. Because I'm supposed to be ready always to give an answer to anyone who asks me for the reason of the hope that I have. Amen? Why do I have hope? Because of the one who loved me. Because of the one who is altogether beautiful. He's my friend. Implicit in her statement is something like this. I miss him. Some of you may remember that Lee Strobel wrote a book called The Case for Christ. And he did it as an investigative reporter. And he heard about a man named Charles Templeton, who was a contemporary with Billy Graham. Both men were preaching to big audiences, evangelistic crusades, and uh, both um, Graham and Templeton were leading many to the Lord. They say thousands. Templeton had a change of heart. He became an agnostic or an atheist, and he began to write articles against the God of the Bible. Lee Strobel was curious, so he tracked down Charles Templeton in his waning years. He had Alzheimer's, but he would have lucid moments come, kind of come in and out. So Strobel tracks him down as a reporter, goes to his home, gets an invitation, and begins to interview him. And he has a lucid stretch of time. And after they go back and forth about his views and stuff, Strobel says to him, but what about Jesus? What about Jesus? And Templeton says, I miss him. I miss him. And here, this woman, she's been beat up, she's pursued, and she says, he's my friend. There's nobody like him. I may not understand every season of this life, but I know he's full of sweetness. I know he's the God of love. He's my friend. No longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. And so they say, final verses, well, where has your beloved gone, O most Beautiful among women. In other words, well, if he's such a great love of yours, why are you looking for him? Where is he? Where is your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Can I ask you a question on a practical level? For those of you who are married, where do you turn when you have conflict? 
Does your spouse not know where you're going to be? Does she have to wonder, does he have to wonder if you're in the bar or maybe you've gone off to do something dumb? The way you fight fair in a covenant, please hear these words, is you fight from your covenant. You do not threaten divorce. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now back to the Walkin' Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. No longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. And so they say, final verses, Well, where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? In other words, well, if he's such a great love of yours, why are you looking for him? Where is he? Where is your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Can I ask you a question on a practical level? For those of you who are married, where do you turn when you have conflict? Does your spouse not know where you're going to be? Does she have to wonder, does he have to wonder if you're in the bar or maybe you've gone off to do something dumb? The way you fight fair in a covenant, please hear these words, is you fight from your covenant. You do not threaten divorce. You do not say, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm out of here. Those words you may try to take back, but it's hard to take back words that pierce like that. Do not threaten divorce when you fight because you'll regret it. Don't try to one-up the person. Just simply, if you need to cool your jets, then maybe you need to remove yourself for the moment. But don't say things that you will regret. And we all have, and we all know that God's grace covers them. Where is he? I hope you don't go to the bar or you don't do something stupid. And she has an epiphany. She says, my beloved, oh, I know, he's gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. Look, if you can fight from the foundation of your covenant, then you can fight fair. Please hear me. You can say to your spouse, look, we're having a disagreement and we are not clicking right now. That's evident. Let's cool off. We'll come back together. I love you. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm going to take a little drive (laughs) for a while. 
And if your spouse knows where to find you in those moments, everything's going to be okay. Because you're going to come back together and you're going to work it out and your marriage will probably be the better for it. But it does come down to the way you handle it. I will tell you this. My wife and I have been married for 32 years. We never fight. (laughs) Ever. No, I'm just kidding. But I will say this. Uh, when we when we disagree, it's pretty rare these days. And she may not know this. I think she does. But but if I ever have taken a drive to cool off, and I have in the last five years, do you know where I go? I go to the church. <laughs> That's me. I go to the church and I sulk a little bit. <laughs> Pastor Michael. <laughs> And then you know what I do? I I have to search my heart. Because usually I know that maybe the bigger piece is me, not her. And then I begin to pray. And then I go back. Because if things are not right with her, nothing in my world's right. And Peter says, if you're trying to compartmentalize your life... And you can mistreat your spouse and think spiritual things are going to happen. Forget it. Your prayers will be hindered. The Lord's going to tell you, you better go make it right with the one that you say you love, that you're one with, before you start coming up to me and talking about people that you're evangelizing. You better go back and love her. You see, he's in the beds of balsam. I know exactly where he is. We need to be predictable even in times when we don't agree. He's pasturing his flock in the garden. In the gardens and gathering the lilies. Solomon was a man of peace. It's a picture of peace. And then she ends it with the covenant. I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. So the picture is of oneness. They come back together. A sweet ending, a covenant. I am his. He is mine. I know who he is. He's my husband in covenant. I know where he is. This couple, says uh, Pastor Tommy Nelson, has slammed the door on divorce because of the way that they handle conflict. A final spiritual insight. As she ponders the question, where is my beloved gone? It dawns on her, quoting, I know where he's gone, into his garden. Wait, I am his garden. He is within me. The garden of the Lord is his church. The bed of spices speaks of the diversity of the church. We are diverse but one. Jesus is always found among his people. This is the lesson repeated through the Song of Songs and throughout the whole Bible. We seem to forget in times of testing and spiritual thirst, that we can always find Jesus with his people. He loves to hang out with those who love him. He does not wait until we are perfect because he dwells within us. Lord, thank you for that reality. And we want to take a moment to pause and meditate on the word of God. Lord, there's been a lot in this small section to chew on, to consider. And I pray that your voice 
will be heard above all other voices. I pray that our response to the Holy Spirit will please you. And here we have the gospel right within the context of marriage. And it's both the saving gospel and the keeping gospel. It's the good news that the God who loved us will finish what he started within us. Oh God, help us to hear your voice, to awaken if we've been in a slumber, to become hot or cold if we've been lukewarm, to describe the one who loved us with an everlasting love with these kinds of descriptions. He's dazzling, shining, holy, beautiful, glorious. Help us tell others about this one that loves us and the one that we love. Keep your heart bowed. If you've not met this beautiful one who died on the cross to pay your dowry, there's a proposal on the table. He says, will you marry me? Spiritually speaking, you must say, I do. I will. You must forsake all others. All other gods must be dismissed from your life. And you say, you are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my king. You are my God. You are my husband. Would you pray it if it's you right now? If you're watching via live stream and you haven't done this yet, make it official. Say, I do. He'll give you the engagement ring of his Holy Spirit. He'll seal you for the day of redemption. He is so good. And you'll learn what it means to love him. And you'll learn more about him and his love for you. Lord God, as I think about the church, I think about the fact that we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And when couples are married for a long time, they pick up one another's ways of talking and even begin to look like one another. And it's an amazing thing. They wear matching sweaters. But Lord, the beautiful thing is you're conforming us more into the image of Jesus. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Do you heal marriages that may be in a tough spot today? Would you heal hearts? Would you do a beautiful work as we respond to your spirit? We, we just want to say we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. You've been listening to Wisdom in Time of Conflict, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, to chapter 6, verse 3. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Go ahead and call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, the bottom line is that we all need wisdom in times of conflict and, you know, some uh, early teaching I received from the Ministry of Family Life on marriage was to anticipate conflict. It's going to come. Don't be shocked. If you're newly married and you had your first 
disagreement with your spouse. Is that the end of the world? No. Conflict actually can be healthy because again, bring out things that you need to deal with and it could become either a stumbling stone or a stepping block depending on how you handle it. If you communicate in love and calmly and don't accuse, but rather say, here's where I'm at. Here's how I'm feeling. How can we solve this since we're a team you know, we're supposed to be one in marriage, not enemies, but one. You got to remember that, right? Your spouse is not your enemy. And if she or he has become that, man, you need to get some help. And so it may be that you just need to say, okay, we're going to get some help in communication and the Lord will grant you wisdom, anticipating conflict and then working through it in a way where you've arrive at a mutual solution is the goal of communication. Let me say that one more time. You communicate calmly. You anticipate it. You communicate it as a stepping stone with the intent of getting better and a mutual solution because you are one in marriage. Remember those things I think will help. Lord willing, we'll see you here tomorrow for a message called Time to dance again. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 4, to chapter 7, verse 10, called Time to Dance Again. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.